Welcome back, everyone, to On Campus with Ms. T. I'm your host, Ms. T. And I'm your co-host, David. And this is episode seven. Yes, seven. And where we ask the question, do students carry more than backpacks on them? I think this is going to be kind of a big topic. But before we get into that, we'll do our little rewind where we talk about the previous episodes that we've done. (laughs) And, oh, one thing that I wanted to mention from last week's episode, which I guess is this week's episode because we kind of fell behind. Um, I do not have my teaching credentials. And I think that Nanetsi said that in her interview. So I just wanted to clarify that. I'm still working on it. You don't need to have your credentials to be a Head Start teacher. You just have to like, there's like a requirement that you have to meet, but you don't have to have your credential or your license or certificate, whatever they call it, um, in whatever state you're in. Because they call it different things in every state. But yeah, I do not have that. Okay. <laughs> so I wanted to <laughs> clarify that. And also I found this article because we were talking about the school shootings before, so I found another article related to the school shootings that came out recently. And I actually saw this from the uh, Alt 98.7 Facebook page. And they posted it. If you want to see it, it's alt987fm.iheart.com. And the article is titled, Company is Making Bulletproof Backpacks for Kids. So within this article, it talks about this company card called... <laughs> Guard Dog Security and how they're making bulletproof backpacks and selling them. I guess that sounds either heavy or expensive. Yeah, well, they cost around one hundred twenty to two hundred dollars. And that also backpack. depends on what up to what caliber they could. Yes, and that's kind of what I was going to go into. It says this is a quote from the article. A label on the product says it can stop a bullet from a .44 Magnum handgun, but it won't stop a high-velocity rifle. It's pointless, then. Yeah, I was going to ask you, because <laughs> I don't really know that much about guns, but I was going to ask you. Yeah, every shooter has pretty much used um, rifles, so. Yeah, so I did some digging as well. Not, I mean, he, I just knew that from his own memory but I did some digging and I did figure out that most school shootings since we're specifically talking school shootings here have involved the use of an AR-15 which from what I understand is a high velocity rifle quote-unquote I hate those terms just a rifle (laughs) well in the quote from the (laughs) article it says but it won't stop a high velocity rifle okay so, from what I, guess, I yeah. could understand, an AR-15 is a high-velocity rifle. So, in other words, in most school shooting scenarios that have happened in the past, that backpack would be ineffective, right? Yeah. I don't want to say it would be totally worthless. I mean, I'm sure it would do something, right? I think that would be more good for people on the streets just walking home and I don't know some thug comes after you like with a handgun yeah so it can stop handguns yeah that's pretty much it so if you live in like a sketchy neighborhood or something 
Or if you're in a gang, get everyone in your homies to get one of these. <laughs> you guys are good. Alright. Yeah, and the the Parkland shooting and the Sandy Hook shootings, it was a an AR fifteen, I believe. And and a lot of the mass shootings as well, like the one in Aurora, Colorado. I'm not sure. I know there have been some more recent mass shootings. I'm not sure what weapon was used for those. I think, um, I know one of them had an AK-47. Is that a high-velocity rifle? Sure. What could be (laughs) labeled as a high-velocity rifle? Assault rifle. Well... In the articles I was reading, the A and AR doesn't stand for assault, right? It stands for something else. Yeah, I don't know. I have no clue. I forgot what the word was, but there's it's something else. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, I know that both all the shootings the past were all rifles, some type of assault rifle. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up, I guess, since I saw that come up yeah but those backpacks are worthless so well not worthless right we figured out what uh, well they're, they're, they're saying oh it's for school shootings and the school shootings been done with rifles also assault rifles yeah <laughs> but well i mean even if it's a rifle wouldn't it do something still like at least slow down the bullet maybe make the damage less or something no? Nothing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's better than nothing, right? I guess if you have money, sure. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's better than nothing. It's kind of like when you like lock all the doors. Like Walls are not really that thick. Right? Uh, I guess. What do you mean? Like, someone's going to break like a in? a classroom wall. Like, if someone was to shoot this wall right now in our room that we're in with an AR-15, would it really make that big of a difference? No. Exactly. Would that make that backpack make more of a difference no. than the wall? No. <laughs> what if you had both? <laughs> <laughs> Doubt it. <laughs> Okay. Well, anyways, that's just something that I I saw in my feed. Our topic for today, which was the question, do students carry more than backpacks on them? And with that, I was kind of referring to sort of like, like emotional baggage, stress, environmental factors, blah, 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 anything that they might be, that might be weighing on them. Like in the teaching field or whatever, we have a saying that kids bring more than just their backpacks to school. So like you have to be prepared for anything that's going on at home, anything that's going on in their personal lives, because they bring that stuff with them into the classroom and you have to help them deal with it or cope with it or figure it out and help them learn how to express it or whatever. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah, it's like any home issues, whatever. Yeah. So basically, it's more than just academics that they worry about. Yeah, I guess. Depends That's on the teacher. Where I'm getting. <laughs> um, no, I mean the students. No. Oh. The students. It's more than just academics that they worry about. But we put out a poll, and one of the questions was, do you think that preschool to kindergarten students experience stress? 90% of the people who participated said yes, and 10% said no. What do you think? Oh, uh, yeah. I said, yeah, they do. You think they do? All students do, yeah. It says, Reg do you think... Oh, sorry. I was say regardless of grade. Yeah, I think so. I guess maybe kinder doesn't count or preschool, but... Wait, does it or does it not count? Because that question was specifically preschool to kindergarten. Oh. <laughs> so do you think like a three to five year old child would experience stress? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they do. Next question was, do you think students between the grades of one and five experience stress? So elementary age. Yep. They get homework, right? They got stuff they got to do. 91% mm -hmm. said yes and 9% said no. The other question was, do you think middle and high school students experience stress? And it was 100% yes. <laughs> so it seems like everyone is on the same page for that one. But there were a few people, I guess, that don't think that preschool to fifth graders experience stress. It was roughly around the same number. One was 9%, one was 10%. So it seems like there is a, yeah. a pocket <laughs> of people that don't think they experience stress. I'm surprised. I don't know. I'm surprised it was mostly yeses. Because I feel like a lot of people don't think that, or at least for preschool to kindergarten, most people don't think that kids experience stress. Like when you hear stories about like, oh, a 12-year-old committed suicide. A lot of people are like, what? Like, what do they have to be depressed about? What do they have to be sad about? Like, what do they have to feel overwhelmed about? You know what I mean? Yeah. I felt like that was what the majority of people would feel like. Yeah, but this is like what, I don't know, I guess a survey people that are following us so we did like a huge scale survey then well it's not just people that we know anymore because it's on our instagram yes so it's yeah i don't know anyways but i don't know maybe only people that are actually interested in this field are the ones following us does that make sense make, like i nah. want it to be more general like anyone can listen to this or be interested in these topics but maybe it's only people that are actually like in the field of education or something yeah well i don't think so i don't know i don't know but yeah anyways those are the results that we got <laughs> So I was a little bit surprised by that, at least just for the pre-K to K 
um, age group. Cause yeah, but I'm surprised. Like, okay, yeah, people. Pro- I'm surprised people would argue. Like, nah, they're just chilling all day, playing yeah. with stuff. And in my experience, when I talk to people, or, like tell them about my job, tell them about the kids at work. Everyone always just assumes that it's really easy, that it's really fun. The kids are just like you said, chilling all day, playing whatever. So I would assume that they would think that there's nothing. For the kids to be stressed about. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it seems like people do think that there's stresses involved, which is good. Because <laughs> I agree with that. So, now I guess we'll go over I, what kinds of stress could be involved. So, like, okay, what kind of stress do you think that three to five year olds? would be experiencing or emotional baggage stress well i guess it could come from anything just they're in a new environment i don't know not their environment i guess i guess i get used to that other kids just bullying them Mm -hmm. and then i guess whatever crap's going on at home yeah yeah, that's that's what I was thinking, too. It's a lot of, yeah, from what I've, the students that I've worked with, I guess, it is a lot of personal things. Like, I don't know if it's just because I currently specifically work with that demographic, I guess, of students that are low income or that come from like domestic violence situations or things like that, right? So I don't know if that's just because I'm currently specifically working with those students, you know, like that population. But a lot of it, I feel like is stuff that they bring from home. Like, and it doesn't have to be necessarily a domestic violence situation any sort of like arguing that's going on in the home or any sort of changes like let's say grandpa just moved in and started living with you a few weeks ago like you said it's it's a change and that stresses them out because it's upsetting their routine it's upsetting what they're already used to and then another thing that i wanted to point out Who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody about this. Oh, it was um, a passenger I had. I'm currently an Uber driver, by the way. So I had a passenger. (laughs) (laughs) And she was telling me about, like, her her migraines or something. And then I was telling her that a lot of people think that stress is only a negative thing. So when you think of stress, you think of negative things, like bad things that are happening. Like, stress is bad, and so it has to be caused by bad things in your life, right? Like, what would you consider a stressor? Um, financial stuff, anything financial. Work, like deadlines. You know, typical stuff, I guess. But for financial, is it lack of money or 
too much money or too much money that's not a stress <laughs> you say that now because we don't have too much money <laughs> but okay. it would still be a stressor i would i would think what she, okay what she's saying is the cause of something stressful doesn't have to be bad right yeah but the stress is still bad like it's still nothing good there's nothing yeah, good about stress yeah it's still stress it's still stress but there are positive and negative stresses i guess but no matter what it's still stress you get me i don't so, agree with that statement for example right let's steal some of your water for example uh someone that doesn't have a job right they don't have a job they're looking for a job they need a job the bills are coming so them not having a job that's the stressor right would you call that a negative or a positive stress uh negative yeah the negative stress <laughs> right it's something that's bad that's happening to them or whatever damn i don't want a job let's say we have a baby and so now we have a whole bunch more responsibilities we have a lot of other things we need to worry about blah 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 would you call that a negative or a positive stressor positive yeah because that's something positive that's happening in your life yeah something... positive. <laughs> <laughs> well let's say it was planned yeah. right <laughs> um that's something positive that's happening in your life that's something that you wanted in your life you love the baby blah 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 right but it's still stressing you out yeah so i think a lot of people don't think about or like they overlook the positive stressors so let's say like i said grandpa moves into the house <clears throat> the kid loves grandpa right so you think it's not a big deal blah 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 they always hang out they have fun this and that but it could still be a stressor even if the child loves this person even if the child is having fun all the time blah blah, blah. does that make sense yeah so that's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> but I think it's, yeah, I don't know. People kind of overlook that or they don't really think about that as much. They just always think that stress only comes from bad things that happen. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's true. But yeah. So from what I have experienced, it's a lot of things that they bring from home. And then also, like you said, a lot of changes, like their environment changes. A lot of people don't really think about that. I didn't really think about that until I started working in preschool specifically. Because when they're older, it's kind of like it gets easier, I guess, as you get older to get used to different environments and adapt to different environments. But in preschool, you go from being with your parents or your family 24-7 to yeah. going into, uh, and alone too, like maybe you have a couple siblings, a couple other children in the home, but that's it, you know? And then you get put into this room with like 20 or 30 other kids 
and adults that you don't know you've never met before <laughs> you don't trust them you know yeah. like everything is different you have to share everything with everyone <laughs> it's like completely different rules completely different environment like physically right different people different everything so that's a really really big stressor for preschool to kindergarten children i would say it always takes them at least like a couple weeks to kind of settle in get settled in hopefully <laughs> some kids it takes a long time and that was one thing sorry kind of random but when we were watching toy story what was that the new one toy story 4 yeah that was one thing that kind of bugged me where like she starts school and they're like oh there's no toys allowed at school and i was like they don't do that <laughs> like in general there is a no, no toys allowed policy but usually for like the first couple weeks or until the kid is ready they're allowed to bring a comfort toy to school like to help them transition so that they feel safe and comforted while they're at school <laughs> and then usually eventually they kind of forget about it and then you kind of sneak in and you take it and you put it in a backpack and hope that they don't remember it <laughs> <laughs> and then you let their parents know and then have their parents do the same thing at home so that hopefully the next day when they're leaving to come to school they don't remember it <laughs> but yeah sneaky yeah that was something kind of annoying from toy story 4 yeah it's pretty mean <laughs> yeah i was like that's horrible I would just... they just did it for their plot so yeah <laughs> it was messed up and it's like i don't know I feel like it kind of proved the, that point, though, because Woody was very helpful <laughs> on her first day. <laughs> yeah, he was. But yeah, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, social emotional skills are a huge deal. I know for sure for pre preschool because that's where I work or whatever. But I, I kind of seen from first to fifth grade, what they do. Like where my first teaching job, they would do like mindfulness exercises. They would do like, I forgot that what they were called, but it was like something like community circles or something like that, where I think it was like once a day for a certain amount of time, they would have the kids sit in a circle and like talk to each other about stuff. It's kind of weird. Seems very hippie to be. <laughs> if it works, you know. Yeah. But I know that there was a lot of stuff that they were doing at the... I don't know if it was a district-wide thing or if it was just a school-wide thing where I worked. But I know that they did do that. But for preschool, there is, like... There's a whole domain. I don't know if you remember when I shared the... The objectives, the book about the objectives that are for the preschool curriculum that I use. Yeah. There's a whole domain dedicated to social emotional development. How long, time wise, how long is that? Like two weeks? That's a whole year you work on it. Oh. <laughs> All of the objectives you work on for the whole year. Oh, I thought they're like chunked out. No, no. So the way it works. 
all of the objectives you work on for the whole year, but they're supposed to progress. So there's like, let's say like a line, right? And so from this point to this point, if they exhibit these this skill level, then that's their current developmental state. And hopefully as the year goes on, they progress and they move forward on that line to exhibit more skills, but gotcha. still within that same objective. Does that make sense? Yeah. But yeah, so they do have a whole entire domain that focuses on social emotional skills. And I have worked in places where they have entire curriculums that it's like a supplemental curriculum. So you use that in addition to the regular curriculum. And that curriculum, the whole thing is just dedicated to social emotional support. And for preschool, it's mainly, oh, that curriculum, by the way, is called Second Step. That's the one that I use. I'm sure that there's other ones out there, but um, the one that I have experience with is called Second Step. You're losing me, Second Step. Wait, I don't know. <laughs> that was the social emotional curriculum. Okay. That I just mentioned. So basically, it's like a, like a box, right? And inside the box, it has like um, these big cards. And it'll have a picture on one side, and then on the other side, it's like a, a script. So those curriculums, it's supposed to make it easy because it's just a supplemental curriculum. It's just to add on to whatever the regular curriculum is, right? So you do both of them at the same time. It's not just one or the other. Gotcha. They're meant to be used together. Um, so that one, it's you don't really have to do a lot of stuff to be able to use it because it's kind of all done for you. So on the back of the card, it's just like a script and it'll have like a game that you play or like a puppet show script that, and it comes with the puppets, right? That you can do with the kids and it'll tell you exactly what to do. Like this oh, puppet says cool. this, this puppet says that, and now ask the kids this question or have the kids participate in this way. So it makes it really easy. So you can just kind of like work it into your regular curriculum instead of like, really having to think about the lessons and create it and blah, 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 like the regular curriculum. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, so that's pretty helpful too. But that's how important it is that there is a whole curriculum <laughs> that has been developed to supplement the regular curriculum, even though it is already in the regular curriculum, you know? But yeah. And for preschool... I would say that it's very important just like as a foundation. Like I know I've complained to you about like meeting kids that are like first, second grade and I'll, I'll tell you like, oh, you can tell that their preschool teacher didn't do a good job with their social emotional skills. You know what I mean? Yeah. So judgmental. <laughs> Well, it's just like a pet peeve almost, you know what I mean? Because you can tell like specific things that they're lacking or that they weren't taught properly. And it's sad, <laughs> but it's for Step me, it's it up, like teachers, preschool teachers. Like there's coping strategies and stuff that we teach them or like how to identify their own feelings and then how to 
explain their feelings to other people, things like that. There's this um, handout, I guess, that I usually give to, I always give it to the people that I'm working with, right? So to my team in my classroom, I always give it to them. But sometimes I'll give it to some parents if I feel like they'll benefit from it. But yeah, so it's called Winning Ways to Talk with Young Children. And basically, one of the things I've kind of noticed, like people will point it out or comment on it when they watch me interacting with children. And not just at work, but like randomly, like when I'm talking to your nephews, your nephew, or if I'm talking to someone else's children, right? And they always comment on... I guess how I can carry a conversation with a child. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, I've seen it too. Like, what do you notice? I guess you get them to actually talk more to you than most people would. Well, it's not hard to get a kid to talk. It's not, I don't know, but it's like, like, like almost like engaging. Not just talking. You're engaging with them. And there's a lot that goes into that, I guess. Like, there's a lot of different strategies that we, as educators or whatever, are taught. But that handout, The Winning Ways to Talk with Young Children, that's, like, kind of a simple, basic thing, I guess, (laughs) that you can use. So that's usually what I give to parents or what. I start off right away and I give to like my assistant and my aide so that they kind of we're all on the same page, right? But it's pretty cool. It goes over like how to make them feel accepted, how to make them feel validated, like the do's and don'ts and stuff like that. Like when you're talking to them you say you're supposed to tell them what to do instead of what to not do i feel like a lot of people don't know that i guess so let's say if a kid is drawing on a wall what would you tell them to do stop that yeah so the automatic response (laughs) get the mitts the common response is stop don't do that don't draw on the walls right but what you're supposed to do is say oh you can come and draw on this paper and tell them what to do instead of just telling them what not to do you're rewarding their bad behavior by letting them draw on paper you're redirecting you lost they lost their paper drawing privileges they lost the crowns no more crowns or markers (laughs) No, you're redirecting them and teaching them what to do instead of just telling them what not to do. You're replacing that behavior then with the behavior Then where does want. discipline come into play? I don't know. You don't have to. What's the point of discipline? So they discipline. They know what to do and what not to do, whatever. Exactly. And if you're teaching them what to do and what not to do just by redirecting and replacing that behavior. There's there's 
have to understand consequences. Well, you can make them clean the wall or something if you want to teach them that there shouldn't be writing on the wall. But either way, if you just tell them, don't do that, that's it. That's all you're teaching them. You're not teaching them what to do, what is acceptable, what is the appropriate behavior. You're just teaching them what's not. So it's not going to work. I guess. <laughs> it's worked. It's worked. And maybe this is... They'll stop doing it, but it's not going to replace the behavior with your with the behavior that you want. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's just probably going to make them scared to do whatever it is <laughs> that they were doing. Every time they pick up a marker, they're going to have a flashback <laughs> yeah, and then drop it. Internalize some drama <laughs> or something. Yeah. So that's just one of the examples. And a lot of people usually ask me, like, what, like, what do you do different at school? Like, usually parents, it's like, why do they listen to you at school? They don't listen to me at home. And it's usually because we have all of these strategies that we implement at school. And most parents don't. <laughs> so usually I try to give that to parents to kind of, like, at least give them a tool that they can use. You make if like a watered-down version of this. This is the watered-down version. <laughs> well, yeah, but not, like show them this, not the book or whatever, whatever you're pulling this from. No, this is just a handout. I think it's only like 11 pages. 11 pages? Yeah, it's not, it's not complicated, I'm telling you. It's very simple. Watch. I'll pull it up right now. That's what it looks like. So it'll, like, it has a heading... And it says, communicate acceptance. And then it has, like, two sentences kind of explaining what that means, right? And then it has examples of what not to do, right? So it says, when adults, and then it says, threaten, children feel, I'm worthless, right? When adults command, children feel, I'm bad. When adults preach, children feel, you don't like me. Okay, so those are examples of what mm, might be happening. Can't do nothing to kids then. And then the example of what to do, it says, Melissa says, Mommy, I'm scared to sleep alone. Which response communicates acceptance? A, you ought to be ashamed. You're acting like a big baby. You know there's nothing to be scared of. Or B, I know you're frightened. I'll turn on the light and leave the door open for you. Oh, you're asking me? Yes. C. Keep it down. I'm going to come in here and whoop you on that monster. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's B. Choice B. Yeah, it communicates acceptance. Oh, and then one little thing that I really liked in here. Where is it? It's in the do say do section it's page seven if anyone else is looking at this at home and it says reminder use the same rules for talking with children as you use for talking with most with the most important people in your life and that's one of my pet peeves too like i hate it i hate it more when i'm not at work because when i'm at work i kind of have control over the situation right but 
when a kid comes up to an adult and they're like super excited and like telling them like oh this happened blah 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 and then the adult is like not paying attention like not listening doesn't care like you get me like if I came up to you and started talking to you and you treated me that way I'd be really pissed off (laughs) you know what I mean but adults do that to kids all the time and it's really sad yeah because kids they do require a lot of patience. Yeah. And they get excited about little things that adults don't care about. <laughs> yeah. Usually. Because usually adults are already, they're older and they're... Grumpy. Grumpy. Beat up by life. <laughs> but yeah, anyways. So that's kind of something that we use for their emotional support in free school. But all of those things, I feel like, just set up a good foundation that I think they kind of carry with them forever. Because when I work with older kids, like I've said, I've seen when they don't learn those things, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, you really need that. (laughs) You know, like, that's really missing in your life. Like, those tools, those strategies are really missing. But, yeah, and I think... Like I said, that goes with them all the way through. So I think it would apply for first to fifth and middle school and high school as well. But a lot of those same problems, I think first through fifth and middle school and high schoolers would face as well. But can you think of any added stressors that kids might face as they get older? Um... It's the workload gets becomes more, if depending, yeah, usually becomes more, especially going to like good schools and prepping for college, like. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the academics, right? That's what's already in the backpack. So we're talking about in addition to the backpack. Oh, I don't like when the puberty. Mm-hmm. That was a major one that I thought of, right? That's like one of the biggest things as they get older is yeah like hormones i know a big thing for middle school teachers they always say is like body odor (laughs) like (laughs) middle schoolers stink (laughs) because usually that's like when they start to stink and it's like they're not doing anything about it right but yeah that's all part of puberty and like they go through physical changes they go through emotional changes too because I don't know, they have to figure out relationships more. Yeah. Right? And I, I think it's not just romantic relationships either. But when you're a kid, you don't really think about, like, what does this relationship mean? You know what I mean? Everyone's just like a friend. And Does that make sense? I don't know. What do you mean? What are you saying? Like, Like, for the kids in my classroom, it's like... I'm the teacher, but I'm their friend. Does that make sense? But as you get older, you can't really have those same dynamics as much because the way that you treat friends is very different as you get older from the way that you treat a teacher. Yeah. You get me? So then relationships relationships start becoming more defined. Whereas when you're little, they're kind of more vague and in general. 
Yeah, that's true. I get what you're saying. Because kids always say, oh, everyone's my friend. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then when you're older, it's like you have to figure out what's appropriate with certain people because of the nature of your relationship with them, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I also thought of like self-identity, like you're more self-aware as you get older. Yeah. So like, who am I? Who do I want to be? Like, where do I want to be or whatever? You know what I mean? Yeah, the, yeah. Peer pressure. Yeah. Yeah, I also thought of self-worth. So you start thinking more about what other people think about you, I guess, and what you think about yourself more. Whereas when you're a kid, you don't really care as much about that. I mean, you do care to a certain degree. Like, usually if kids are, like, making fun of each other and they'll like, come to me and be like, teacher, he called me a poop head or whatever. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but it's different as you get older. Yeah. That's true. Let's see. But one thing I kind of noticed is that, unfortunately, I feel like stressors just kind of, like, build. It's not like you have these stressors when you're little and then they go away and then you have these stressors. They're not like replaced by each other. They just build onto each other, I feel like. Um, I get, what do you mean? Like, like all of the stressors that I thought of for preschool would still be applicable as you get older except that you're adding more stressors as you get older. Yeah. Instead okay. of, like, one stressor replacing the other. Oh, uh, yeah, I get you. Yeah, that's true. Which is probably why adults are always so grumpy, like you said. <laughs> and, like, miserable and stuff. Maybe. And have little patience. Uh, that makes sense, yeah. It's like, yeah, all, yeah, all this stuff gets added. It's the same, go to new school. No matter what age. Yeah, that like that's something that I put for all of the ages was changes in their environment. Especially like when we were doing that interview with Gio, it was like he had to change from different, completely different areas, you know? So it was like starting all over again every time. So that would be very stressful. Yeah. But even just if you're going, like let's say you're, in one school from first grade to fifth grade. That's what you're used to, right? And then it's a completely different place when you go into middle school. And then again, when you go into high school and having to get used to all of those changes every time. So that would be stressful as well. Yeah. And then I also like modern day, probably, there's different stressors, right, in addition. It's, like, all, like, online stuff, like, social media, yeah. like, pressures from social media, like, having to present yourself a certain way on social media or, like, cyberbullying or, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, there's more, I guess, now. Or even, like, 
what is it like if someone takes like an embarrassing picture or something and then it's just like out there everyone knows it it's not like okay well maybe a couple people saw it like back in the day when there wasn't yeah. cell phones or internet you get me it was like oh a couple people saw me trip and fall on my face but that's it. <laughs> and now it's like if they got it on video, they posted it on Facebook. Now everyone knows. Everyone's making fun of you. So it's yeah. different. So I think that would be a new stressor to add onto all of the other ones <laughs> that already existed. Just pretty much social, yeah, just social media in general. Yep. Everything social. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much all I could think of for this topic. But it is a very big topic. I just kind of went general between the age groups. But we could dive deeper into a specific subject like how divorce affects a child's social-emotional development. How domestic violence situations affect social-emotional development how moving from one state to the other affects social-emotional development. You get me? Like, there's a lot of things that factor into this topic, I guess. But I didn't want to make it... It was just a broad... So, yeah, I wanted it to be kind of vague. Because we don't have that much time. But... If anyone out there wants to go deeper into those topics, just let us know. As always, you can reach us on our Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, on our website, which is oncampuspodcast.com, or our YouTube channel, which is On Campus with Miss T. Everything else is on campus with Misty. Just the website is oncampuspodcast.com. Or on our email. Yeah. Which is on campus with Misty. On campus MS dot, with ms.t at gmail.com. Or leave a comment in Castbox. On Castbox. Yeah, you can also comment on the podcast itself on Castbox. And we are working on getting it on other streaming services. So hopefully soon <laughs> we'll be able to offer on other streaming services. Yeah. So we'll keep you posted. Hopefully this week. Well, we'll see. But yeah, that's pretty much it. If you have any other comments, let us know. If you have any topics that you want us to cover, again, let us know. We are here to provide you a place to voice your concerns, questions, ideas, whatever. Anything. Yeah. Like, yeah. So make sure that you check out next week, episode eight. Or this week, episode seven. Or. This is episode <laughs> seven. <laughs> make sure you tune in next week for episode eight. Yeah. Thank you again for listening. See ya.